what it feels like I do I was frozen when you walked in the room Every single word makes my stomach turn frozen when you bought a mic <laughs> you didn't like my vin diesel impression <laughs> that it was the vin song when did you make that uh the theme yeah oh we've been using it the last maybe 10 pods or so oh my gosh but with yeah. those those lyrics though are fresh Oh yeah, my name is Vin Diesel. So in post, are you gonna dub Vin's voice? Just I like, was, do you have the stem file for his? I was trying to make it fit the there? cadence, and it didn't yeah. quite line up. Yeah, it sounded like like Future Islands almost. Mm-hmm. We bought a mic. I don't know you, but it feels like I do. I was frozen when you walked in the yeah. room. After this episode. I, I can't. So you really know all the lyrics to that song. It's wow, genuinely that's... a certified banger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've gone full circle on Vince, Vince Musiker. How do you feel about Vin Diesel quitting the Fast and Furious franchise in order to start a he music He doesn't have career? to quit it. This is this song is going to play in the end credits. Do of we Fast think that Nine. Jeremy Renner is going to try and replace Vin Diesel in that universe too and fail? I fucking hope. Has not. anyone done an edit that's like the the see you again moment where like Paul Walker like drives off or whatever, but then with the Vin Diesel song instead of <laughs> see you again? Has anyone done that yet? Can I do that? I don't know. Can we make a call out to the fans of the <laughs> show you, to make that? Did you see what I posted? The the Skimble Shanks edit. Yeah, that was good. Oh. <laughs> God, that was so good. That was like one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I needed that. <laughs> hey, yeah. everybody. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast here with a special guest. Hi. Danny. Welcome. Well, how's everyone doing? Today's episode is sponsored by Vizzy. Oof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never, never had it before. It's a little, little sweeter than I was expecting with the usual White Claw. But I'm into it. It's not, it's doesn't taste artificially sweet. No. That's my problem with Truly is that Truly, like I can taste the fake sugar in it. This, it, it tastes more like fruit. I'm Ernest. I am uh, now Vizzy Fan Hunter. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm Danny. Yep. And that's it. You said, you said that like that's it. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm Danny. And today, Vin. <laughs> Oh my god, we have a special guest on the podcast today. That's that's incredible. I am Groot. Oh god, Vin, you gotta go, please. (laughs) You're not allowed on the podcast anymore. Um, welcome back, dude. No, dude, it's been too long. The yeah, the first time in the new studio. What do you think, dude? It's fresh. I like it. I like it. Everybody can hear it at home. Can't see it. You don't. You don't want to see it. You just feel the audio quality of all of the movie memorabilia on oh, the, the walls. Oh, the acoustics are definitely better in here. Mm-hmm. It's fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had the windows open, but we had to maintain that fidelity, so we had to close them. But mm. things are things are looking better, especially when we got Vin Diesel on the headphones. You mm. know, That song is bad. Right? <laughs> I am I crazy? <laughs> no, you're not. It, it's like a cutting-edge banger in 2009. It's all I have going it's, for it's me 20, right now. It's 2015. It's right when they started using vocal samples as instruments. No, like it's a, uh, uh, what, like a. It's, um, it's well, it's it's what like. What do you post, mean by Bieber? Yeah, it's post disclosure effect on like radio electronic pop. But that's why it's so it's so endearing. It's so sincere. Like you can feel the well, love. So is Vin. If you just like like his Facebook posts are like unparalleled in terms of like, wow, this guy actually might care about his fans. I don't know. He also like sucks. You know, he's like not <laughs> I'm not saying he's good at anything at all. He's bad at everything. Like he's never done anything good. But except for the pacifier. I, Would you rather that's, have the, the pacifier is number one. His the way that he says family is number two. Yeah, I've watched pas- yeah, the Pacifier probably more than I've watched almost any other movie. Would you rather have feels uh, feel like I do over um, heaven don't have a name? Listen, yes. if Vin is going to come Renner. for the Renner crown, he better fucking bring it. I can't wait for the Vin Diesel app. That's going to be incredible. The, I'm sure that's already a thing. Man. Go on tour. The the Vin Diesel app, I'm pretty sure, is just grinder. <laughs> You can meet a lot of guys who look like Vin Diesel. <laughs> All right. We got some ketchup for you today on the show. Actually, 
now might be a good time to um, read a listener email oh. that we received uh, regarding the Lord of the Rings. We just did a run of all three movies with our friend Brett. Uh, check that out if you haven't already. And we received a really sweet, kind email from Jessica. Jess. Uh, subject line, Lotor. Mm-hmm. Lotor. Lotor. Loader. I read that as Loader Lo- when I'm online. Loader. Uh, she says, hello, guys. My name is Jess. I came across your pod a while ago through Adam. Shout out to Adam. Shout out to Adam. We share a deep appreciation for the masterpiece that is the film Rampage. Nice. Woof. So do we. Hey, we reviewed it on this podcast. We did, so. we did, we did a commentary. We did a commentary on it. We did one step further. I wanted to send a quick email saying I was so happy to see you guys cover Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge fan. And I just read the books last year. What a journey oh, that was. You LOL. did more than any of us did. Yeah. yeah who to prep? There and back again. I've been reading the same book for like four years. Yes, Dune. called The Bible. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Um, yeah, The Sand Bible with the giant mm-hmm. worms. Is mm-hmm. Dune. Um, I, was, I very much appreciated hearing your discussion of the movies, and I'm going to need to do a rewatch soon, even though they make me so fucking crazy. Anyway, what just wanted to mean? say that. Um, I guess she loves them. Yeah. Also wanted to share... I don't think anyone mentioned this on the pod that in the books, Faramir and Eowyn do actually end up together. Goodbye, Aragorn. There's one shot of them standing next to each other in Return of the King and Aragorn's coronation. But that's it for the movies. Just a fun side note. I oh. fucking called this. Yeah, I did mention this, that I was like, she settles for her brother. That's I think that's her cousin. It's not her brother. Yeah, I don't think we. Theo, yeah, I don't think we. She's Theoden's uh, niece. Okay, so that is a cousin. And, I, and so we are in like a Game of Thrones type universe, is what you're oh, saying. Oh wait, 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 wait. She said Faramir. Yeah, that's not what I called. I did not call Faramir. I was thinking of um Boromir. Of no, of uh, Carl Urban. Oh no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Faramir and her are not related. Oh yeah, right. no, that's right. I, I am mixing. Um, I was also thinking of Carl why. Urban, why do so we think? Was, Aside from the fact there are already 20 endings, why do we think they didn't include this in the movies? Faramir and Erwin. Probably because... Neither of them had enough character established for you to give a shit about them getting together. I think think you're correct, Hunter. They didn't even (laughs) have a scene together exactly like that's yes, why that's it they would have had to have met yeah <laughs> mm, uh, they would have had to make this like like the end of a 10 hour journey like an 11 hour journey it, through this whole, it would have to be like the movies. end of they came together where like you know like all of a sudden chris maloney's just <laughs> hugging the sister and you're like they don't know each other but it's a joke <laughs> it would have to be like that so then she wraps up the email with um a Tumblr post. She says, sending a Tumblr post in 2020, don't at me, but I can't watch this scene without thinking of this. this yeah, this is actually a very interesting and, and funny <laughs> so thing. She, she sent this like GIF set from Tumblr of the ending in Rivendale when Frodo is waking up and seeing the fellowship again. And he, in slow motion, you can hear, you can see him mouth, Gimli. And then he sees Legolas and he's just like, I don't know this guy. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because as it says underneath, they only exchanged one line in the entire trilogy of movies. And my bow. That was it. That's, That's a, the only talking that they ever did. That, so then I he mean, sees hey, Legolas amongst all of his best friends in the world. And he's, he's like, like oh, I don't know this guy. Hey, it's it's the elf bowman. It's, it's the hot guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Aragorn comes in and he's like, Aragorn. Yeah. And then Sam comes in. And he that starts is crying, like, I mean, I'm going to cry. That's a very small thing. But if you just want something to show showcase how much Peter Jackson has attention to detail, things like that. Is that he doesn't even know in the middle. He's just like, I don't know who this guy like, is. Ah. I think I heard somebody mention your name, but I don't know. Bow and arrow guy. She says, that's all. Sorry for the long email. I just love Lord of the Rings. And it was great listening to your deep dive into it. Thank you, Jess. Thank, Thank you, you for Jess. listening. Yeah. Thanks for the email. You can always email us at webottomike at gmail.com with your thoughts. We really had a good time with Lord of the Rings. That yeah. was a good little journey. I had a ball. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to ketchup. Uh, 
Any any uh, any ketchup, Danny? Why don't you kick us off? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I do see. What is that that you're wearing? Is that a Boston Celtics jersey that you're wearing? Ew, I would never a- be wearing that atrocity. Oh, it says Miami, Miami, Danny. You'll you'll appreciate this. Hunter's been doing this running gag whenever he comes to my house <laughs> and there's a game now on Sundays where <laughs> it started at at our our uh, fantasy draft. He started with what? A a Tom Brady Patriots jersey. Yeah, he started like he had a Tom Brady pass jersey and we were all like, ugh, gross. <laughs> and then in the middle of the draft, he takes After it off. After I drafted Mike it, Evans. Underneath it, there's a Tampa Bay jersey that has like the Tampa Bay Pirate, but it's oh Tom my, Brady's yeah, face. I've seen that. Picture. So, so since then now, he's adding a shirt every time he comes over. Last time he came over, he had four shirts on. <laughs> yeah, I came over wearing the the Tom Brady jersey. And I was like, oh, wait, I forgot um, the Bucks play first. Well, in that case, and I took my shirt off mm-hmm. or no, no, no. I forgot the Patriots play first. So I took my shirt off. I now have a Cam Newton uh, like shirt. baseball style. Yeah. Jersey. So then he had that and we were like, oh, OK, that's the bit. And then and then I took that one off, had the Tampa. Yeah, Bra- once Tampa played Tampa Brady. And then shirt on. this and is then, this is madness. And then underneath. Celtics played at 730, took off that shirt, and I had a Celtics jersey. Yeah. Oh underneath. my gosh. And I do have to keep adding layers. This is a 16 week long season, and <laughs> we do live in Florida. So yeah. it's not I didn't think this it through. won't be fun. It was yeah, a horrible you, mistake. If you had that snuck that fourth one by me, I would have been like fucking furious. <laughs> Luckily, my my girlfriend Anna noticed. She was like, he's got something green underneath there. There's something going on. Poking out. Yeah. It was funny. They were I just like, does he, have a, does he yeah. have a Packers jersey on underneath yeah. there? Also, my my ace see at my house is like not that great and he's wearing four shirts <laughs> he's cutting his balls off the, he looks like fat the, bas- <laughs> the basketball jer- yeah i look like shit all the time now but uh, that's unrelated i took off i had the basketball jersey it is a miracle that I wasn't just like drenched in yeah. sweat afterwards. It, it's it's really brutal. Oh uh, God! And it sucks, but you know he's not going to have that Celtics jersey on no more. Yeah, I know. Not this year. When's their next game? Oh, uh, I think like twenty twenty one, maybe. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I I just I'm really happy that the boys can go home. I'm really happy that Jason can go home and spend some time with Deuce. Who? who also didn't give a fuck about anything that was going on on the court. Did you? When, oh, whenever, whenever he's they, like, a, it's so one funny. And a half. Whenever it's so funny because whenever they cut to him, it's like his his dad just fucking sank this sick three, and then all so, of a sudden they cut to him and he's looking at like an iPad or something. We're, we're talking about Jason Tatum, star of the Boston Celtics, who didn't really show up in the moment, and then also uh, his small child Deuce, who I didn't know that was. His yeah, name. how many? Uh, so you were twenty three a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many how many big time moments did you have when you were 23? Um it was I think it was I remember cuz it was exactly as many as you did Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow you are still putting yourself above me. Yeah. Well, Jason Tame is my son, so I get to claim all the accolades that he that he So gets. he has his his small child court side in the in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. They they did a thing in the bubble that once it reached round 3 for the conference finals, your family could join. You. Yeah, because okay. it honestly the the COVID uh testing has been going exceedingly well for the NBA, especially because uh, compared to the NFL, which this week has they reached just canceled first, an entire game. Or yeah, postponed first it. giant roadblock no, has been hit. Somebody got infected. Yeah, the yeah, Titans, a lot of Titans got, have COVID. The whole Titans. And they had to, they had to Side Titans. note: uh, My take on this, it's kind of a hot. Maybe it's just a lukewarm take. I think the Titans should just have to forfeit their games. Till they can play again. It's your fault. You didn't follow the protocol. Fuck you. You don't get to play. No. Season goes on without you. That is insane. The, the Steelers, they get a win. Good job by the Steelers. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. That's just so move nice. on. Then we don't have to worry about rescheduling and shit. Just, you didn't follow the rules. This is on you. Yeah. What did you stop at Walgreens on the way home? Because your wife needed diapers it's not my fault that child, Mike, It's not my idiot. fault that Mike Vrabel is a COVID denier. <laughs> He's a he's a Patriots legend. Yeah, I know. Don't, I, don't I, do I that to him. Here's, anyway. Here's, here's what they do. They divide the field in half with plexiglass so you have infected people on one side and non-infected in the other well the titans okay. are going to win the infected side for sure <laughs> that's true yeah. they win the infected game so it would just like no contest but on the other side they're probably losing the non-infected so it just ends in a tie I don't know. Uh, Whichever side Derrick Henry's on. Wins. Well, are there two <laughs> balls? It, can the ball go over the plexiglass? Yeah, we'll have like, it'll, it'll only be like 20 feet up in the air. So you can't just throw a ball over to the other side. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is going to give there's, himself COVID. There's like a little, there's a little the door side. in between and you have to like give a, 
negative test and then you can clear to the other side to go catch the ball. Um, anyway, we spoke briefly about how bubble basketball was actually going surprisingly very well. And, and now was, we're at the final. And it was very fun to watch. Yeah. Despite no crowd that that made room for way better camera angles and like yeah. hearing the players, et cetera. And oh, guys, you hear all the shit talking. Yeah. It's awesome. I watched the last dance. So now I love sports. Hey, <laughs> I'm in hey. brother. <laughs> I did too. I, yeah. I just finished it. Okay. We'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. But the actual current finals um, it's, happening it's, now. Yeah. It's game crazy. One, game one was I, last night. I do have bad news for yours. Michael Jordan is actually not in the bubble and neither are the Chicago Bulls. Well, he he was sitting like on the hoop with a cigar and a whiskey. So I don't know what you're talking about. He was like he his ass was inside the hoop. Mm -hmm. He does got a fat ass. And everybody <laughs> was like, Kyle MJ, you can't get down from there. <laughs> you know, so we're about to do that 2000s album draft, right? You, you know that song Yellow by Coldplay? That's actually about Michael Jordan's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. He looks like he's sick, dude. He has like, cigar eyes. Stars. Man. Look how they shine yeah. for you. I, hey, we, I mean, I don't if people haven't listened to that episode yet, uh, depending on which one of these comes out first. Um, maybe that's the number one overall pick is uh Coldplay. just it's just Coldplay the single yellow it's not actually an album so we're we're going full adhd mode right now yeah so the eastern conference finals just happened featuring danny's miami heat which i was also rooting for but i can't claim versus hunter's boston celtics which he was rooting for but he also can't claim <laughs> <laughs> well the heat are in it i, 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 I don't hey. i don't know how they have they have legit like i'm a huge fan and I'm saying we have no reason to be there. It's whatsoever. been awesome to watch. I, it's truly been so enjoyable. They're the very rare team that doesn't have a superstar, but does have a budding fucking superstar in Bam Adebayo, who genuinely is one of the most fun players. And Tyler Hero. Hero. Yeah. Nice. You can't, you can't you like go. There you go. That guy's cock is like nine inches at least. Whoa. Dude. <laughs> That's he, true. That's, it's and, actually like a safety hazard. Well, his, his, his penis is like five and a half inches but his balls are huge <laughs> like he just fucking lays them on crazy the big yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what girls want i've heard and <laughs> unfortunately um it's not looking great for the heat they are only down 1-0 as we record this podcast it looks like i did actually put some money on the heat to win in six and like after the first quarter i was like oh no, no. i made a horrible mistake well I what mean, was i doing every, betting against lebron the finals every championship that the heat have won they went down the first game okay mm -hmm. when was the last time that happened uh 2013 when they had lebron james on the team how they, many times have they lost you? their third best player in game one for the series they, and come they back? literally their three best players got hurt the, the first game the, which is yeah crazy. the thing is yeah everyone was obviously hero like i was losing my shit when he had that 37 point game don't get me wrong i that was, was like crying it was so fun yeah. to watch but I would much rather have Dragic in my lineup than Tyler Hero. He's, oh, yeah. he's much more of a liability defensively. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, and Dragic is too, but Dragic is a facilitator. But Tyler he gets only assists. 20 years old. I know. Well, that's the thing. He's a child. He's a yeah. rookie and he will be good. Yeah. Um, but right now he's very inconsistent and they're screwed. Uh, they probably were anyways the thing. They're playing against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They only have one Bam Adebayo. <laughs> the problem is Anthony Davis. That guy is just yeah. unreal. Yeah, no matter, because Bam is incredible at defense. He's also just not as he's big all, as Anthony Davis I mean, Davis he's also 6'8". Yeah, like, he, like Davis is humongous and also is like way older and incredible. Like, and and he has like incredible ball handling skills. Yeah, like so crazy. what are you, you going to do? To be that tall and have to, those kinds of skills? Like, I, well, to make, to make a comparison for your sake, Ernest, Anthony Davis is, he's a center which means you know he's the big guy on the on the field on the, you know the basketball field <laughs> and on the diamond yeah. um but uh you know how uh they were talking about in the rodman episode of the last dance the reason rodman was so interesting is because and pippin too when they were like really old like 17 18 19 they had crazy growth spurts so they developed ball skills and then they grew allowing them to have ball skills as a big man when if you grow up your whole life being big you don't really develop any ball yeah, skills. yeah just, it's just like, like someone I'm big yeah so. anthony davis when he was a senior in high school was six foot three and now he is seven feet tall oh my god yeah, yeah. so therefore eight inches in one year yeah he's just yeah it's also those, like, he got taller yeah also <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those it's like one of those outliers things where it's this combination of like skill and opportunity um and it's not really going to be a fair matchup. I, 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 I told Hunter to bet on the sweep at this watching, point. I, yeah. I had a hope. 
I had a hope, but you know. I, I mean, it's only been one game. It has only been one but game. But watching the Lakers, they're basically coasting to the win. And 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 you have the Heat like trying to play catch up, and that makes for incredibly entertaining basketball. If, if to I had see to them, bet, if I had to bet, I would say the Heat will at least snag take, take two one. games. I, I think they'll two. snag two I, games. So I think that the Heat will win one because they are an incredible three point shooting team, and they're just gonna have one game where they just shoot like. 65% from Not three only that, and, and it's Spolstra's just like, a good coach. I, that's I what I was going to say. Spolstra is the main thing where he, he has actually ju- been there a lot. No one else on the, the team has. I think that he is the best coach in the yeah. NBA. But like yes. when we, you know, that last, that game one, we saw the, where the experience was who, at. Who makes a zone work in the NBA? I, it's extremely like, That's cool. like a high school I, I love Eric Spolstra. Hey, you know but, who is the only coach who can't beat a, uh, a fucking zone defense is Brad Stevens. Ooh. Are you, are you, my, my Mormon dad is. Where, dead. yeah, where are you going with Brad Stevens now? Are you anti? No, no. I'm yeah, not, I didn't I'm think not, so. I'm not He's going that hard. Coach. Look, here's the thing the Celtics didn't belong in the finals either. If they were there to be perfectly honest, like I, I, I think that either way we're going to reach the same result. And it just kind of sucks because the Lakers have not played anybody good in this whole playoff run. Nobody, well, nobody who's like on close enough to their level. The Clippers shit the bed in the worst way. It was just so disappointing. It was like, just it an just incredible me, mismatch. Beginning it just times. makes me so mad that they just yeah. they couldn't get there. There's there's two things I want to touch on because Danny and I were talking about this before we started recording. First of all. We got to remember Kobe Bryant died earlier this year. Yeah, there's yeah. no way the Lakers lose just on that fact. So no way. you were telling us you have this theory. Uh, oh, the games are rigged. If you don't think games are rigged, <laughs> like you're crazy. Well, so, I mean, <laughs> what kind of fairy tale story is it going to be that the Lakers won for Kobe the year he died? Like, that's a fairy tale I, story. So it's funny you say that because I have also uh, thought the same thing. No, I mean, not to take anything away from their talent, because they also just have like two of the three or four best players in the NBA on their team. But uh, LeBron, I love the guy. He's the second best player of all time, if not the number one player of all time. He's a little fucking bitch boy on the court, and he complains (laughs) about every single goddamn fucking call that doesn't go his way. So when you have that combined with the stories and everything else and the Lakers allure and everything, it's just kind of the, uh, they're, they're a better team. They're a better team regardless. Yeah, of they would the, win anyway, yeah. but it is annoying that this is now this is now like canonical in the NBA because it was confirmed that like in the early 2000s, like games were legitimately rigged. Here's here's the thing, though. I think I think the NBA really wanted the the tales all this time. Lakers versus Celtics finals. Oh, I think absolutely, they wanted it bad. Man. I don't know if you guys have been looking, but the last two minute reports, which the NBA has been releasing, that they showcase all the incorrect calls that happened in the last two minutes of every game. And up to leading up to the finals, there were 11 incorrect calls in the Heat Celtics series, all against the Heat, all against the Heat in the rest of the playoffs. Every other series, there was only 27. Yeah. So, so I 16 have- of them. Outside of the series, 11 of them against the Heat the, in that series. So also, one other thing about that is uh, it's really bad, but it happens in every sport that makeup calls are a thing. 100%. And uh, the Celtics got boned a lot in the Raptors series about how they would call nothing on Kyle Lowry and call I everything on Marcus Lowry. Smart. Kyle Lowry um, and, and Marcus so Smart. I think, like that, I think it was a carryover Stinky kind of guys. thing of that, but God. it's still it's still annoying. Even whenever it's on my team, I still hate that shit. Fouls yeah. suck. They slow down the fucking game. I hate reviews. The I think reviews we should get rid so of instant bad, replay. Man. It's really Let ruining Let people the... stomp each Back, other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's just, yeah, to, to review a foul and always uphold it is silly. Well, not only that, it's, it's been just seven minutes on it. You can't call it the other way. If so, if you call a shooting foul, you can't call a charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't change it to play. a different foul. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, hold on. Seven minutes? Not it, really, not but they seven, take it, way it too takes fucking long. There's been like reviews. And what? They cut to commercial? It's like five, yeah. six minutes. What the, the And lo- you're like, you're sitting there and it's everybody can watch it. I think that there's like, I've heard, uh, I can't remember if it was Simmons said it or um, 
cousin Sal or somebody said before that there should be a bar rule for officiating reviews that you should give 60 minutes. You should have a bar full of people and see what they think. Cause you really, you just need to see a review like three times yeah. and you're just like, okay, I got it. The same goes for the NFL, which speaking of which this year has been laying off on the penalties and the result is much more watchable football. And I see the NBA correcting itself next year because though it is good for ad revenue because there is more commercial space uh, because of these reviews, it's a lot worse to watch. The whole thing of basketball is how fast it is. Yeah. And also, it takes it takes what? Like the last five minutes of a basketball game take maybe 20, 30 hey, minutes. You know, in, in FIBA, uh, intentional fouls are illegal. And, oh really and wouldn't that be pretty cool that would be cool <laughs> i mean honestly like is, i know it's like the shack a part- rule that's a shack rule right <laughs> yeah you- yeah i know like it's a part of strategy of modern basketball but if you just outlaw intentional fouls every game goes way faster mm-hmm. so we'll have to touch back on this when we have you on again for uh draft part two. Oh yeah so we'll see what now that we've be lost all of the fans who are just listening for for <laughs> like movies and tv advice we We're lost pop, them all to sports pop culture, pop culture bro sports or pop sports culture, or pop culture. Yeah. uh what else you got to catch up on okay I, w- I was talking to hunter about this earlier um but my buddy his name his name is josh but i call him josh because he's from uh he's from, he's from alabama and uh he showed me this band called Polyphia. And I was like, yeah, okay, dude, horseshit. It sounds like a basic ass metal band. Like, and he's like, no, nah, but they're instrumental. I'm like, oh, cool. Another instrumental metal band. This, this band, I actually, he showed me a video of them and they are so incredibly talented. Like it's actually insane. Every single member of that group is a master of their craft. Okay. Uh, the lead guitarist, his name is Tim Henson. He is way too talented for how big he is. And if you can just like listen to, I think the latest album was in 2018. It's yes. called New Devils. What is it? New Levels, New Devils. Yeah, New Levels, New, new Levels, New Devils. It's it's an insane album. Like, um, it's a very unique take on instrumental rock because there's a lot of like R&B elements in it. As well as like, Ooh. yeah, it's a lot of R&B it's, slash like hip hop elements. It's, I would describe, it's like funk metal. Yeah. Like funk, it's because it, there is like prog rock and kind of even like mathy elements to it. Yes, but it's very no jazzy and it's it's kind no, of jazzy. The, there's though. there's jazzy. some some songs have vocals in them, but for the most part, it doesn't. And like you can you can see their their skill. Like just watch any of their videos, really. Off like go is like a really good song to start off on mm-hmm. if you're trying to get into a more like funky slash like jazzy kind of thing. Uh, Yas is what it's called, and it's uh, that's an incredible song. It's actually my favorite right now. Go and Yas, Yas, yeah. Do you- Wait a second, I have this band favorited on Spotify already. So I have this album favorited. Yeah, no. I must have. Somebody must have tipped me off to this. Already. It's an insane album because my buddy showed me them, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." And then I was like, "I can't stop listening, Josh. I can't. <laughs> like, I, I can't. Like, I've been obsessed with them for the last like couple weeks now. And like, you know, for an instrumental band that sounds like something that's like heavily produced, and the instrument like work is nuts. I'm talking amazing guitarist, the bassist, uh, Chloe, Clay Ober or something. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Clay Arbor or something. He is nuts. Like he slaps that shit hard. And Tim Henson is a god. I don't even think it's real at some point when you listen to him, like what he's doing with that guitar. Mm. That guy's, uh, there's Clay Gober Gober, and Clay Ashman. Yeah, he's the drummer. And then there's uh, Tim Henson, who's the guitarist. And I forgot the last guy's name. He's the secondary guitar. Scott LePage. Scott LePage, yeah. And he's... He's the backup guitarist, and he's also nasty. Have they been doing stuff? I've been seeing a lot of bands like embrace the COVID era. I'm curious if they've been able to kind of do anything. I think they're coming up. Like Like to do like like live stream concerts and stuff like that. Yeah. So they've been doing a lot of like videos online, like showcase, like Twitch streaming almost. Nice. You know, where uh, Tim Henson will show like, hey, I, I can rip up the guitar. Like, watch this shit. It's like. I mean, every instrumental band does that, which is like, look how talented I am. And like, he has the right to be, honestly. It's it's crazy. He's only 26, 25. Wow. He's young. Like, uh, I, so 
to put into perspective, I know all, all of us know about the needle drop, right? Of course. So the needle drop Antoine gave Fantoine. Yeah, he gave he gave this instrumental album an eight, which is nuts. He never gives instrumental music the like one. the time of day. Yeah. And he actually has an interview with Tim Henson as well, which is like 45 minutes. It's also okay. a really good watch. Wow. Yeah. So Polyphia. Yeah. For new sure. Devils, new new levels, new devils. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I I really love Polyphia. I think that I I know that I've seen them live before. It they was play, like one of those things where I saw town. them without ever hearing them. I think that they opened up for Coheed. They one opened time. up for Chan pretty recently. Yeah, here. I know they 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 are really like I'd say that they're like more metal than Chan. Um yeah, for sure. They're kind of closer to Fall of Troy. Yes, um, in the terms of math rock. Yeah, yeah, like that math rock metal kind of sound. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I really, really like them a lot. Yeah, I Good really track. recommend it for anybody. Like, it's just, it's so catchy. Like, it's like something like the the guitar, you'll, you'll just hear it in your head like, God, it's so good. Dope, dope. Um, All right, what else you got? Um, I'm trying to get not only you three, but everybody else that listens to this pod. We got to play Among Us. Okay. We have to play Among Us. So do you guys know what it is? Yes. Vaguely. Everyone is talking about it right now. I don't know what causes this resurgence. I'm assuming some like streamer just started playing. Yeah, this is like sure. a two-year-old game. Yeah, it's two years old, but they, since it got so huge, they announced Among Us 2. They canned that idea and now they're just going <laughs> to, they're just going to make Among Us 1 better. Yeah. But essentially what it is, it's just a, it's a social deduction game that basically there's 10 people that are just trying to fix stuff around the ship, like a little spaceship. Okay. And then two of them are imposters oh, trying nice. to kill everyone to stop them from fixing the ship. Yeah, it's like a, a online version of the many like secret, like secret Hitler, Hitler mafia, okay, stuff like that. Dope, and it's, dope. it's really cool. Cause like the imposters can do stuff like, you know, turn off the lights or like set off random alarms. And then you're trying to figure out like, but everybody has to be on their own computer. Or well, you, so it's five dollars on Steam if you want to do it on a computer, or free on your phone. Okay, dope. so it's definitely crossplay. Yeah, with yeah. crossplay enabled, and it's a lot of fun, especially you know when you play with each other on Discord. It's a lot of fun because then you'll be like, Ernest, I fucking know you strangled <laughs> Hunter. Okay, I know it, and it's like shit like that, and it's like it's really unique to see like a different take on your friends because it's like now you yeah. start like not trusting. That's them. also what. We're going to be saying after the draft. The draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I fucking wanted Britney. <laughs> How dare you take hybrid theory before me? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll we'll try to get into that because, yeah, br we had Brett on for all the Lord of the Rings stuff. In, mm. And he has a big stream come up happening right now that he's we should to do it on his stream. Yeah, mm. that like, would for be sure. Be like, fun. Absolutely. We're going to invade his stream. We're, <laughs> we're going to keep force typing him. among us, over, <laughs> among us, among us. He's not going to have a say in it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Okay. That's among us. So next up, I'm going to run through two quick things that I've been watching. Um, we want to keep this, this catch up app fairly short. So real quick, Raised by Wolves and The Third Day, both on HBO. Raised by Wolves is a Ridley Scott joint. Yeah. My sister uh, gave me a heavy recommendation to check this out. Is it worth my time? I've watched uh, two episodes, maybe maybe three. No, I think just two. Um, I'm very hesitant to recommend it at this time. Okay. Just two eps in. It has some big, bold ideas about it's like hyper future. And mm. it's like about this like uh it's in set in like another planet that's being colonized. Um, but it's being colonized in a way that like we haven't really seen in many other stories. It's these essentially these two androids that are raising these human children on another uh, planet to try to kind of reboot human civilization. But there's a lot of other things happening, too. It, it gets very sort of like religious or like commentating mm. on religion um, and it, it just is going for these sort of big, bold ideas. But when it comes to like the visual look of it, the acting, the writing, there's some stuff that like, I'm not quite vibing with. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can keep watching it and see if like I come around on it, but don't, you know, don't jump 
on it quite yet uh, right off the top. Yeah. Well, I've heard that it is kind of a show that it grows on you. It was actually not for my sister. It was for my brother-in-law who was just like, I know you're a big Ridley Scott fan. You have to check this out. Like he is kind of like as the series goes along, it starts to feel like classic Ridley Scott. And when he said that, that's when I was like, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know how far in he is. Oh, he's like fully caught up. I think the season finale just came out tonight. Okay. So it must, yeah, it must really, and I can see those seeds being planted. I could totally see it going Mm -hmm. that way. But so far it's just like, Ah, I'm not really connecting to these Mm. characters. And when I say that I'm not vibing with it on a visual level, like I don't mean that it looks cheap. It doesn't look cheap at all. You can see the money on the screen. What I mean is that the the color palette is extremely gray. It looks weird from the screen caps I've seen of it. It's I don't like it. I I want more color, you know, and I it's very off putting. So. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I, I like sci-fi. I'm very partial to sci-fi. I'm fairly partial to Ridley Scott. Um, he's had plenty of duds, but him being given this opportunity from HBO to make a big, bold, expensive sci-fi show. I had to at least does, give it a try. Does he direct it? Or yeah, is he just every episode? Oh, he, okay. So that's, I knew that he like kind of, that it was his baby, but I didn't know if he passed it off for directing. Yeah. And like I said, it, it has some big ideas. Like there's some stuff in this show that I've never seen in anything else. That is the kind of stuff that just doesn't get put on a screen in, in a big budget sort of way. Um, by the way, the only the first two episodes are directed by Ridley. Oh, okay. Th- those are the only two I've seen. And then the next two are directed by his son. What? Oh. Luke Scott. Oh. Does he right. write? And then in, it moves to other people. Does he actually like write the episodes or does he just kind of in charge of overview or do you know? The first four are written by the same guy, Aaron Guzikowski. And then we move to like, you know, we shift around the staff yeah, past yeah, that. Yeah. But none of it is written by Ridley yeah. or Luke. I wouldn't say that. Well, Ridley doesn't, he doesn't really write no. a ton per se, but I didn't know if it's like kind of. That's why his canon is so inconsistent. Sporadic. Yeah. Exactly. I, I wouldn't say that this show has like any pitfalls. Like it's not like the writing or the acting is like incredibly weak or anything like that. It's just not overflowing with excellence, you know? So honestly. I don't think I want to watch it based on what you're saying. Well, maybe you'll give the third day a shot. So the third day is one of the most interesting sort of experimental pieces that I've encountered in a long time. This is what this is what it is. It's going to be a limited series. Three episodes of Jude Law uh, in this mysterious island. Essentially, the whole thing is sort of revolving around this mysterious island in in England. But the first three episodes are set around him, his character, and they're written by and directed by a set team. And then they've already aired these three episodes as of this week. Next week, they are going to do a 12-hour live play, live stream play. I have no idea what the hell that's going to be because I haven't seen the third episode. I've only seen the first two. And then they're going to do the final three episodes of the miniseries with a completely different character. I think it's played by Naomi Harris, I believe, and uh, with a completely different writing and directing team. So just on that level. I'm incredibly intrigued of like what the hell this is going to be. What have you seen of it? I've saw the first two episodes um, on a surface level. It's pretty standard sort of stuff. Um, kind of similar a little. It's like if you take little bits of Ozark, the leftovers and like maybe a teensy teensy bit of Twin Peaks ish mm-hmm. in there. Um it feels like its own thing. It looks like its own thing. The the talking about a visual palette. Do you in this mean show. Twin Peaks as the premise or Twin Peaks as the surrealism? The surrealism. Okay, but it's 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 just done in a way that it, I wouldn't call it Lynchian. It's just essentially the story is this guy uh, is stuck on this island, and the reason why he's stuck on the island is because the road to get back to the mainland gets flooded with uh, with the high tide. And he doesn't have a way to drive back to the mainland. And 
weird shit starts to happen on this island. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other plot stuff going around, going on that I, you know, it's better if you just find it out if if you see it. But Jude Law's performance is great. He's he's really good. The the coolest thing about the show is that the camera is like right up on his face the whole time. You, like you're like right there, and they use these really shallow depth of focus what lenses. Is this, the third day, the third day, yeah. And it, the 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 his close up is going in and out of focus and you're kind of spinning in his consciousness and you go into him being drunk and then him being on acid at one point where where can you watch this hbo max hbo okay yeah i think it's on hbo proper but at this point i just watch hbo max mm. i don't see the the difference um it's really well done it's really really well done i don't think it's for everybody just because it's, it is, it does get kind of weird. It sounds kind of like lost almost. It is a little like lost. Yeah. But it, there's no like big, you know, calamity going on or anything like yeah. that. Uh, but I would recommend it. Okay. I would definitely say, check it out just because it, it's, it's weird. It's mm -hmm. weird. And I like things that take big, bold swings that pay off in certain ways. And that may, again, may not be for everybody, but I don't know. I find myself enjoying it a lot. How many episodes are out of that show? Just three. Just three? Just okay. three. And like I just said, the next episode is a 12-hour live stream play. What the fuck? <laughs> I have no clue what's going to happen. I'm not going to watch a 12-hour episode of television. I don't think you're meant to. I think <laughs> I don't. I, I'm, I There's no way they're going to expect people to watch the entire 12, 12 hours, hours. Yeah. like that's not it's a long time yeah you're you're probably supposed to just kind of like jump in and out that's but like, i mean just the idea they're doing that is like kind of fascinating very to me. Exactly. That, like, that yeah, makes very me unique. kind of want to tune in for what this show is yeah yeah so raised by wells in the third day both on hbo um definitely i would say if you're going to check one of them out it would be the third day mm -hmm. oh. uh that's what i've been watching what you got hunter um, so I'll go through mine quickly. Um, of course, in the year 2020, uh, movies are at a premium and at a very limited and we don't know what the fuck is coming out this year and especially what the hell Oscars are going to look like this year. Is Dune going to come out? Mm. Dune's not coming I don't, out. I don't know if it is. <laughs> it's, it's very firm on its release date, so we'll see. Um, but one thing that is certain that is coming out actually pretty soon it ha doesn't have a formal release date but it was originally announced for october Mank. about my guy herman went mankowitz um the the we, newest fincher movie in six years since gone girl yeah 2014 was gone girl so yeah yeah, yeah six years fucking um, big deal it's a big deal. It's also it is David Fincher's passion project that he literally could not get a studio to make, despite the fact that this is arguably the greatest director of our time, like especially when you're talking about mix of commercial success and critical success. I think that Fincher has to be in that discussion. Um, but I did have a couple of blind spots uh, going through his filmography. So I wanted to kind of amend those. I wanted to do a full Fincher watch through leading up to Mank. So I started with the ones that I had never seen before. There was three that I hadn't seen. Panic Room, um, The Game, and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I've oh, you've seen, never seen Girl with I've the seen, Dragon I've seen the original, the Swedish version, right. but I've never seen his remake with Daniel Craig. It's a, that's a banger of a movie. I I'm excited to check that one out. I don't know if I think I'm going to watch his version before I watch the rewatch the original because I watched the original like fucking years ago, I think in high school or something. So um, just so I won't hold anything against his version. But anyways, uh, starting with the game. Um, funny enough, the game is kind of a movie that David Fincher has disowned a little bit um, just because he he really hates the way that he wrote the third act of this movie. Mm. Have you guys ever seen the game? Mm -mm, no. By chance. Okay. So I'll keep everything. I won't really talk anything about the specifics about this movie. Um, I'll just say that it is, it's a classic movie that after it's done, you can, if you think about it too hard, you will pick the movie fucking apart. 
like uh, just about little things. But unlike it's like it's like saw, but without the gore. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a good comp for it. Like it is kind of the whole thing is like you just get you sign up for this company and then you get assigned a game and the game is different for everybody based on what you need in your life. And that's kind of the general premise that starts off with Um, Michael Douglas is in there along with like a cast that isn't much of well-knowns, but Sean Penn is like uh, plays um, Michael Douglas's brother in this movie. Sean Penn is fucking unbelievable. He is on another level in this movie. He is so good. Um, I do definitely recommend it because I said that you can nitpick and stuff while you're watching or after you're done watching it. But while just kind of being in the moment with this movie, it's just a fucking blast. It's like just a really fun, like a thrill ride of just kind of trying to figure out what is next and what's happening in this story. Um, I uh, I definitely recommend that one. That is on. They're both on on Hulu with stars. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that I I did a free trial of stars so I could watch this movie and the next movie um, on my unwatched list, which is Panic Room. Mm -hmm. Um, Panic Room is I I mean, it's starring Jodie Foster, who I fucking love. I go back and listen to our Silence of the Lambs pod if you want to hear me fawn about how Dr. Lecter, how she is. Christian Stewart Lecter. Dr. Lecter. is like a fucking baby in this movie. She's like eight years old. This is like a no 2000. Way. She's not that yeah. young, but she is super, super young. duper young in this movie. Um, plays Jodie Foster's daughter. And the n- name is kind of the movie itself. It's that they move into this new house that has a panic room and yeah. things escalate from there. They have people that come into their house and they have to hide in the pantry. You've seen it, it's, No, I, I have very distinct memories of when I was a kid. Like my, I would go to the movies with my parents and then they'd watch their own thing and I would watch mine. And, <laughs> and they, they went were, to see Panic they Room. They went to go see Panic Room <laughs> and they're like, you can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to well, see like Brother Bear. Yeah, something stupid like that. <laughs> it's funny because if you were young enough, I don't think that you would like, I feel like much of this movie would just go over your head oh, because sure. there's a lot of like big themes. But I mean- this is a movie, it's considered lower tier Fincher, but lower tier Fincher like started the idea of a panic room. Like that wasn't kind of a thing until this movie where it was like, yeah, you have this spot in your house where you can like Whenever go to, to down, escape. Yeah, yeah, you like hide in there and try and yeah, fish they, things they out. They tried to tell me about it, but you know, as a kid, you're just like, okay, that sounds cool. You know? So <laughs> the other, the other cast members aside from Jerry Foster and Kristen Stewart include Forrest Whitaker. Um, Jared Leto yeah. with cornrows. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. Yes. Honestly, I kind of he's like he's playing like a horrible human being. And for Jared Leto to play that, it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have cast anybody else he's, in that he's, role. He's trying to come break her down, bury her, bury her. No, <laughs> nobody plays he is finished with her. <laughs> Is uh does does thirty seconds tomorrow? Does that meet the cutoff for our album? Because I might have to do some last minutes. I think that's next. I think that's two thousand. That's wait. Is that two thousand six? That's late two thousands and like early two thousand. I'll be sure to not put that on my list for the next episode. All right, thanks. Save it for me. Um, it's oh five and oh nine. Yeah, so I guess. Oh shit. Um, anyways, uh, as far as if I wanted like somebody to play a bad boy, but to be like a little bitch while he was doing it, which is what Jared Leto's character is. I mean, it's kind of perfect casting for him. Um, I don't want to say too much about this movie. Just kind of saying the premise gives you the idea of what the film is about. Definitely recommend it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's really, really fun. The only thing I will say is watch this movie at nighttime because it's a movie that Fincher very obviously intended for people to see in theaters. And I believe that was a success whenever it came out, but it's a very it dark movie. Like just not like dark as in like gore or anything like that. It's dark in that it's like very dim. And I started to put this on during the daytime and it was legitimately kind of hard to see, yeah. like to pick up stuff. So I either watch it in a house that you can kind of close the windows and get things dark or just watch it whenever it's nighttime. Mm. Cause I put it on at like, 8.30 and it was perfect like I didn't have any issues picking up anything but Dope. that's the only thing um, I don't I don't love Panic Room to be honest really yeah it, it does a pretty effect obviously it's Fincher it does an effective job of like creating tension 
Uh, I think even more than Fight Club, this is the biggest like cinematic flex on his part where he's like, look what I can do with the camera. Look mm-hmm. where it can go. Mm-hmm. There's, I can go into the wall. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, so many shots because like w- we have to have a really intimate relationship with the layout of this house because the criminals who are breaking into, you know, we have to know the blueprint. There are so many shots that go like through walls or just like straight through a room. Uh, and I think it's needless. And I think a lot of the time the result, even though it's amazing, he accomplished this in 2002, the result is video gamey aesthetics. I don't think it looks particularly great. I don't think it's aged well. It's like, you know, there are scenes in Fight Club that look like that, too, where like the camera will go through a trash can and like out in a different room. You're like, whoa, how'd you do that, bro? But I that's mean, like this whole movie. It's the whole. Yeah. yeah. Well, I So I don't I, I go back against that a little bit just because I think that. It is so important that you need to know the layout of this house, just like our characters. No, do. for sure. I like, just, you I just need don't to think you have everything. to do that to, to get to know a house because you've gotten to know locations before without using CG. Well, I also would say that I think this is an important movie for David Fincher's filmography because it's not the best. It's not the most well made. But I think that he learned tricks while making this movie that he put into things like the social network and especially Zodiac. Like, yeah. If you if you want to know like the stepping stone for Zodiac, then watch this movie because mm-hmm. this movie establishes all the themes that he's interested in, all of the kind of camera tricks and movements that he wants to do. And his way of making you feel like, you know, the layout of everything until you don't until you kind of feel like you are trapped and you don't know where everything yeah. is. It's, still, it's, it's, it's still, the same thing. Uh, it's the same thing that we were talking about in uh, return of the King where, you know, the layout of yeah. everything until you don't win. It's Frodo in there and you feel suffocated. It's that's, it, that's the, it's kind still of a, a good movie. Absolutely. I think that that might be one of the biggest reasons that like no one ever talks about it though, is like, it doesn't look, too great it honestly doesn't it's the same thing i'd say the same thing for the game and for panic room in that if they were made by somebody else you would say that that was the best thing that they've ever made yeah because because it's fincher it's not even his top five yeah because he's done that before but in movies that are just bad we'll we'll do a whole fincher ep yeah i can't wait to do a whole gets closer on so that's the game and panic room and we'll also have to do a whole episode on the last dance but oh yeah let's hear some quick thoughts uh, I mean, it's true. Awesome. Not much to say. It's been talked about before on the pod. It's it's great. You've seen it, Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? It's good. Um, so I liked it a lot, but I had some some coworkers I talked to about it. He's a huge Detroit fan. And <laughs> he, he told that Isaiah that, Thomas got done dirty. Well, no, what essentially is that like and I could see what he means where he says the the documentary just glorifies michael jordan yeah that, that's the hundred but that's, that's the whole point, point. It, it makes him look like a great person that everything was justified and you know there's a couple episodes that like venture into yeah. him being a shitty person but it doesn't commit it doesn't commit exactly and like there's some things that like you can tell they downplayed like a lot of like the shitty side of him but that being said it was still an amazing watch because there's, there's riveting. Yeah. There's so much I didn't know about it. Cause you know, like as it, we were, we were really young when Michael yeah. Jordan was dominating the NBA. Right. Yep. And it's just, it's really unique to watch. Cause it's like, you know, everyone talks about him as the best and like, it kind of made me pitter patter on like whether, you know, I thought LeBron was better or not. That's why he made it. Yeah, of course. That's why he signed on. That's why it's coming out at this time. It's really, it's, it's really, really interesting to watch, you know, yeah, it just, was, it's an incredible and watch. And the backstories of all the, the, his teammates as well. Yeah, was no, really good. Yeah. They, they did a great, I mean, really the way that it is laid out from a filmmaking standpoint is incredible. The, the, the timeline switches, like yeah. that's the entire trick of this whole series is that yeah. we're, it's a we little start, disorienting, but you get used to uh, it. Yes. Once you get that, this is going to happen every episode. It you, works. Like when you see those years pop up where the, it's a literal timeline on screen, it's like 1998 and then you it goes swoosh, back to, yeah. you know, I, 1988. And I whatever. think it's really unique how even like, you and you and I watch basketball, so we and you too. Now we kind of. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Ba- I don't watch it. I. I, yeah. I'm d- I don't watch any more basketball. How, I'm done. The Celtics. Are yeah. Out, so. We. We. But we have like a good idea on like what happened in Michael Jordan's timeline. Like yeah. we. We all knew about the break, but we didn't know the logistics about it. Mm-hmm. But like, as someone who knows a little bit about it, and then someone who like I imagine Ernest, you had a, Dude, a really easy watch. So one of the best things about watching this 
was when the documentary decides that Steve Kerr is the main character for mm-hmm. like one episode. Yeah. That was incredible yeah. for me because I had no idea about yes. this Yeah, they guy. did his yeah. whole backstory, who he's one of my favorite people in yes. basketball and has been for years. And the moment that he like basically wins the fucking yeah. championship yeah. on his own. The big shot. The big, big shot. Like yeah. I had no idea yeah, about so they, that. Yeah, so they introduce characters in the episode in which that player plays a huge role in the game that's won in 1998, which is but where the, the end But the big fans already is. know that story. Yeah, of course. I didn't. But not yeah. everyone knows Steve Kerr's origin story involving his father, which I've yeah. I've read a lot about just because I love Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the machinations of the documentary itself are extremely cool. You're correct. It is hagiography. It is rewriting history a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is glorifying a man who was objectively not a good person. Yep. So, but you guys say that I think that I still like felt like while I was watching it, there was enough there and like these little moments that you could see that Michael Jordan is a fucking asshole. Like, just think about him like walking on the plane, just like, yo, bro, you got that 10 grand for me yet? Like, yeah, where's it at? I know you lost me. Ha ha ha. Well, and the, just, like, the gambling along. problem was really downplayed. It's, yeah, <laughs> it was, like, really yeah. downplayed. But, but there's enough in there that. You, if you did any little sum of research, you're just like, oh no, this man is like yes, was yeah, in debt the, the despite point, being like the richest man goes, in the NBA. He goes, I, I gambled a little bit. It's like no, dog. I dabbled bigger than that. You know, well, this, like, yeah. I could quit any time if I want to. It's like that's what an addict says. Well, yeah, yeah. and and um, you know, it's like the definition of history is written by the victors. He won the '90s. He gets to write his own history. Like that's just how it goes. There's no way to get around that if you're signing Michael Jordan to make a docu series exactly. about Michael Jordan. Mm, exactly, it has to glorify him but the point of a documentary should be to tell the yeah. true full story, story but yeah. it never is yeah, yeah. No. no documentary ever actually wants to tell a full story exactly exactly um, especially any has, celebrity yeah. you have to have their permission or else it's just people talking about yeah. the guy you can't even show footage of the guy that you're talking about. yeah especially yeah. that's not there, filmmaking. there are several other key points that they just did not investigate at all the gambling is one thing his father's death is so poorly fleshed out yeah it is unbelievable they they so have you finished the show yeah oh, okay good, they good, good, fully good. buy like obviously it would be really hard to d- defy what michael jordan is saying about how his dad died and i don't necessarily buy into the theory that a lot of people have that it's because of michael's gambling debts however his father pulled over on the side of the road to take a nap and he wasn't just like robbed and killed he was killed dumped into a river and his car was hidden that is only something you do if you know who you're killing. Mm-hmm. That is not something you do if you're just doing a robbery and right. yeah. some dark shit. It, yeah. And yet Michael is being like, yeah, no, he just like wanted to take a nap in the road. Yeah. And so he just they like, play it like a freak accident. Yeah. It's yeah. simply like that is clearly not what happened. However, how are you going to investigate this farther when it's a Michael Jordan documentary? And like he says this about his dad. The media well, and also, fucking smoked him too. Like Michael yeah, Jordan. The there's is, also there's nothing like there is no substantial evidence of any real theory. And that's kind of why it is just all conspiracy theories is because like there's nothing about what actually happened. It is literally just all conspiracy. Yeah. It's just literally something did happen because murders don't happen like that. Like that's not a thing. Uh, unless it's a murder and not like a robbery. Lee wants to chime in about the last dance. Hi everybody. Um, I watched this and I know nothing about basketball, but can we just talk about what fame does to a human being? Because mm-hmm. I think that this uh, kind of hinted at it. It actually felt like a freak horror show for me. I had so much anxiety watching the behind the scenes clips. And yeah, they just barely touched on his father's death. But I think in general, every single second was high anxiety, even the peaks like even the the moments where you got to see like compilation after compilation of the successes of the Bulls, you had to go through the from the second this person wakes up in the morning to the second he's on the court to the second he gets movie. to his hotel room to the second he even tries to like take a shit before he goes to bed. He is under a magnifying glass. So just to to reiterate the point about how much of probably a dick he was to the general public or to some of his other people on his team. I don't think anyone in this room with me right now or people that are listening could even fathom the amount of pressure and intensity. Um, Like right now there's this huge scandal with Ellen DeGeneres being a total jerk behind the scenes. And 
I can't even begin to understand what that must feel like. Mm-hmm. So that's Fuck my no. two cents. Ellen, no. <laughs> Thank you. No. Um, Ellen sucks. Well, <laughs> Ellen is not the goat on like MJ. Well, that's okay. But yeah, I, I, this is the other did, thing is he is uh, it. I was almost more upset because I know th- that there is a type of guy who will watch this and will see it as an, a way to justify shitty behavior because they think that they could be a goat of whatever. Right. It, and and they, it, lo- it allows you to do it. Yeah. The they're like, you yeah, you just got it. And I'm not, no, I'm Hunter. Don't give me that face. I'm not, I'm not saying that is bad about the documentary. Describe my face. That is, <laughs> this is an auditory. Part. It's so hot. <laughs> um, so that's not it's nothing against the documentary, but it's just like, oh, this like billionaire mindset real estate guys with like three DUIs are going to watch this and be like, yeah, this is why I'm an asshole to everybody, because I want to be the best. Meanwhile, they will never be the best at anything like it's it's more just it's it's like the American dream almost is secretly. It's not about like having a family. It's about like if you are the best, you can do anything you want. That is the American dream. He got away I, with a lot. Yeah. No, so probably so, stuff that we don't even know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. A hundred, a thousand percent. No, one thing I was going to say that uh, Lee, that Lee harnessed on that is the best thing about um, The Last Dance, in my opinion, is that whole idea of fame as a negative thing. Fame as a horror As a movie. horror thing. It's two specific moments. Uh, one of the, like, very drastically different from each other. One of them is whenever he's coming back from the game and leaving, like, trying to get back into his hotel room and he's being swamped by thousands of fans for interviews, for pictures, for autographs, for everything. And he's just trying to go in there and he's just sitting in his hotel room just smoking a cigar. He's like, this is my, I can't go out to a movie. I can't Mm -hmm. go out to dinner. Like, I'm Michael Jordan. I can't do anything. And the other moment that doesn't say it as explicitly is after the fourth championship when he comes back and he wins the title for his father. Mm-hmm. And that photo of him on the ground crying has been like an iconic photo forever, but there's never been the odd, the like auditory element behind yeah. it. And these cameras keep moving in on him while he's laying on the ground sobbing. And like, it's just like, so turn sad. the fucking cameras off. Give this guy one moment of privacy to just be with himself. Absolutely. But he never had that. Yeah. He never, ever no, it had is, that moment. It is a nightmare. Like the effects of fame on anyone are a nightmare. Uh, I just think it's it's appropriate to be able to critique a human being for being a bad person and like actively destroying the careers of his peers if he didn't like them. Uh, when or we, making up when we have athletes like LeBron James who are not bad people right. and deal with the same arguably level of significantly shit. better. N- yeah. Not even argue. I mean, he just is. He like cares about his children and his wife in the any way at all. He feels empathy. Nuts. And I don't necessarily think that's the thing that fame did to MJ. I think MJ is just like a guy who only cares about winning and that's all he ever cared about. And that's fine. Cause he won. Yeah. He did it. Like, I don't know what the word is, but I have, I have something that I've never heard out loud and I want to hear your take on it. When you are, when you do something like join the military or you commit your life to something like sports, when you get into the athletic world, there's this level of like pride, which is like intertwined with ego that you kind of lose yourself in it where it's, it's at a certain point, they don't care what happens to their bodies. They could die of a concussion and they wouldn't care. They are, they don't even really care about the fame. I got the hint from this documentary that they don't even really care about the fame. It is about clout and it is about being the best. And every single one of them are pushing themselves to like the physical limit that is beyond what I think a human should endure. Mm -hmm. And yet it, there's like this sense of like excitement about that. Like people glorify them like they're gods because they're like martyrs for their industry and somebody's profiting off of that. Yeah, no. it, it's a Which it's a very sick. capitalistic desire. Exactly. Yeah, it's no. a very American thing to be like, what if I just like sacrifice every part of my humanity in order to be the best? And it's sad, but those are always the greatest athletes of all time. And are the people who do do that, who they don't give a fuck about the fame or the deals or anything else, there's yeah. out there and there's out there doing their thing. It's the worst in football because. uh like if you play football, you have a shorter life expectancy. Like you are willing to lose 
a decade, multiple decades off of your yeah. life, getting multiple brain injuries in order to play this sport. But I mean, I know you all hate the guy, but Tom Brady is a guy who does not give a fuck about anything else. He just wants to win. Like, that's all that he cares about. He doesn't have like Nike. Deals he doesn't care about his he, son. His only fucking sponsorship is he has a deal with fucking Uggs. Like, that's that's his thing. And he just does like magazine ads for them. And then he, but otherwise, he's just like, I just want to win. Like, that's it. I want to yeah, be the best. It's, it's a very uh, largely it's it's a very like male urge like a very yeah, like yeah. Toxic it's very mass. primal it's macho. the reason that like dudes like movies like there will be blood <laughs> hey <laughs> however the reason i'd like that movie uh give me the blood <laughs> uh, like better obviously you can't even compare it to the last sense but the reason i love that movie is because it fully fleshes out the fact that we are watching a bad person be the best mm-hmm. well this was supposed to be a short episode but <laughs> we uh fully fleshed out uh a nice an hour corner yeah. so <laughs> I feel like there's still so much to talk about with The Last Dance, so I'm sure we'll find more to talk about, <laughs> Yeah, um, especially if we talk about the finals again and just the overall conversation of, like, is LeBron the GOAT? And I think that, that there's no clear-cut answer for that, but when you're looking at just, like, a technical, objective level, there's a better case for LeBron Look, than I mean, I'm for just MJ. saying, Luca. I will give, I will give a suggestion. I would love to be a part of the We Fought a Mike for that. For uh, LeBron versus LeBron. MJ. Okay. Okay. I would love. Well, that. I'm going to we be outnumbered that on that, I think. What are you taking? I'd still take MJ. I w- just because I think that, it, it, like, if it's just, if the converse, if it's Wait, it would be 2v2. Two two well, that's if it was the thing the four is, of us. is that if it's longevity, LeBron is going to win every time. But if it's like, I need somebody to come in there and to hit a shot, then it's Michael Jordan because yeah, but, it, he just does it every single fucking time. It, to me, it's not just about basketball. It's about like the cultural that, magnitude. It's LeBron. It's LeBron. Then is in it that though? case, I, I think. I mean, it is. If you're going on, okay. Well, that's I, another. That's yeah. another. That's another podcast. We'll we'll get to that another time. We got to wrap it up. We got a album draft to record. So we got to argue. Thank you for listening. Do not take my picks. Stick around you uh, for our other um, episode coming up with the 2000s album draft part one. And we'll have Danny on again next week uh, for part two. Hell yeah. Stick around. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all the donors for donating. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, etc. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You know what I do now. <laughs>